Jamesy the Band. Find their music at jamesythebandbandcamp.com. Shout out to my cousin, Cole Hem, singer-songwriter, with the band Jamesy. The shadows never last. to the broadcast. Time to take off the mask. Hello, Michael. Hello, Charles. Hello, listeners. You're listening to The Fool's Journey. We started with episode zero and recently completed episode nine. Those are the original ten numbers that all the rest of the numbers uh, are made with Mm -hmm. in our number coding. Um, so now we're kind of, we've broken free. We're, I feel like we've kind of, uh, had our birthday in a way. Uh, we could, we could, we could mm-hmm. start experimenting with our format a little bit more. I think, um, well, last night I had a late night. Uh, I didn't get home till 11. I was, uh, at St. Patrick's chapter, uh, here in Newmarket, Canada. And, uh, we did, uh, we did a Mark Master Mason degree. Uh, I got home at about 11, but, uh, you know, these degrees and basically any event I go to, uh, any night out, uh, I need about two hours to calm down. So I didn't get, I didn't get to bed till about one o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, which is why, um, which is why we had a late start at work this morning. Uh, Mike, um, you also had a late night, but your late night was, uh, we're going lively, uh, it, <laughs> Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Masonic degree work, mm-hmm. but uh, you went on a you went on a research journey. Yeah, about I, uh, who? About what? What was the deal? What were you going through? Well, I was doing um, some English work, and I also wanted to start uh, need some motivation for my art in a way because I was kind of feeling I was feeling tired. I was demotivated, um, catching myself just lazing on the couch watching something I wasn't really interested in. Right. And then I tried to 
go read about this uh, blues character I think I, uh, I heard about a while ago called uh, Robert Johnson. I heard a little bit about him uh, from a friend who really liked the blues, but uh, I didn't really think too much of it until I saw a little bit of a documentary on him, and then I decided to watch it. After that documentary, I kind of did my own little reading. Mm-hmm. So, Robert Johnson. Yeah, what, so what did you hear about Robert Johnson, firstly? Well, there was a, there's a lot of myth behind him. He has a huge myth uh, that... So what did you hear about him originally? Originally, it was he has influenced almost every rock player of all uh, who's ever picked up a guitar to this day, and he only had 20, 30 songs ever. Rock so, players such as who? Um, Led Zeppelin, Eric Clapton, uh, the Rolling Stones, and mostly almost every uh, guitar player ever, people theorize, because he's influenced blues players who influenced uh, rock players, but... They, he basically shaped a lot of the sound. Who influenced of everybody else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he was the first one. Um, that, that's interesting. So uh, what did... Uh, let's start with this. What did your friend tell you about Robert Johnson? He was basically a, a t- 20th century Bach. He was uh, one of the best musicians who died very early and basically shaped a lot of the music that we hear today without knowing. What what did he die from? He died from out poison, actually. He uh, was what? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting story. He, he had a very dark, uh, dark, li- very very dark life. Um, throughout his entire career, people believe. Wait, can I guess? Mm-hmm. I would like to guess something. Okay. Based on the only death by poison, apart from euthanasia, that I've really ever heard of, was it a woman? It was involved with a woman, but it wasn't a woman this okay. time. Okay, all right. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it, actually, it was theorized it could, been, could have been the woman, but it was most likely the husband in this scenario. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that, though. Um, he had a very dark, dark, dark life. His life was basically a tragedy after another tragedy after another tragedy. Um, let's start off at the beginning. He was... His home life. He, uh, his mother was married to a very affluent, uh, I think black carpenter at the time during the early 19th uh, century. Why don't you look it up so you could be sure of your details? Yeah, I will. I'm very sure about that part. Um, but what happened was that a lot of people in Mississippi were very jealous at the time of his wealth and uh, success. Being a black wealthy person? Oh, for sure. And he was at very high risk of being lynched. And there was a, uh, mm. an organized lynch out for him. So he fleed the city and left his wife. Wow. Yeah. And then that wife... Was his wife black? Yes. Mm-hmm. So she survived, but then she married another man, or, or I think just a... Black man? Yes. And okay. then uh, had a baby who was Robert Johnson, where they were, he was very poor. He never met his father, Robert Johnson. His father had... I think they got married, but he left very uh, early on. So he, his entire uh, life or early life, was moving house to house to house, maybe seven houses before so he was 10 years wait old. Wait a second, why so? So Robert Johnson's mother mm-hmm. was married to a wealthy man originally. And then he fleed, and then she had got and pregnant then, by another man. And then she was no longer wealthy? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So she was an intelligent woman, but she was also very... <coughs> uh, Excuse me. No worries. That was just a very 
horrible time, especially Mississippi right. was the worst place in the country for lynchings in general. It was, you looked at, the, someone didn't like the way you looked and they would lynch you. It was that, it was the point where slaves would beg their masters to not be sent to Mississippi no matter what. Wow. Yes. It's that, it was that dark. But uh, his entire life he was, I think he was pressured into being, working on the fields where he thought he was a lot better than that. And he liked, didn't want to ruin his hands and found his true passion in guitar. So back then what you'd have to do to be an uh, affluent musician would be you'd have to go town to town to town on street quarters and people would like what you uh, play at street quarters and then you'd go to the, the juke joints. Right. So the juke joints are where you make the real money, but you'd have to actually go into the town first and then play a good song People would hear and about get you. get invited. Exactly. Yeah. So he was on the road for most of his uh, early adult life uh, until he found uh, a woman. He was 18 at the time. She was 15. Okay. Um, they were in love. They got married. He was willing to put down the guitar for her. He was willing to settle down and work in the fields and have a normal life for her. Let's and, stop on that detail and talk mm -hmm. about that for a sec. You're 18. Mm -hmm. Could you have sex with a 15-year-old? No. You feel like it's morally and ethically wrong? Yeah. It, it I lost my virginity at 18 to a 15-year-old. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's a... I thought she was 17. Mm -hmm. I was lied to. And I felt icky and gross when I found out she was 15. Uh, I had a younger sister at that age when I was 18. Um, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. 15 mm -hmm. is an age where a lot of cultures consider a woman a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Mexican culture and a lot of Latin American cultures, they have a quinceanera, which is the 15th birthday, which they kind of have a ritual mock wedding slash ceremony party. Mm. It's not a ceremony with a priest or anything. It's just a party, but they do dress up in kind of like a wedding party outfit. Yeah. So fucked up. Which is crazy, though. Cause and it's, it's like an announcement. And it's an announcement, like a bar or bat mitzvah to the community that that woman is now a woman, that that girl is now a woman at mm. 15. So, uh, interesting detail, Miss, mm -hmm. uh, the Deep South, 18-year-old uh, man uh, with a 15-year-old girl. Back okay. then, it wouldn't, All right. it, people wouldn't blink, blink an <clears> eye <throat> back then, though. That's the thing. It was, at that time, I think it was culturally okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know what the like, age consent I think is. in a lot of cultures, it's still culturally okay. Mm -hmm. um, interesting why we consider it not okay. I, think I mean, Mother Mary had Jesus, I think, at age 15 or earlier. Mm -hmm. So, mm, what yeah. do we say? What do we say about it? I think we're trying to remove the predatory aspect of our culture in a lot of ways, maybe. And there's, there's predatory aspects in other cultures, but I feel like you're right. It wasn't... But uh, we're talking about a man event. and yeah. a woman that were in love. Mm, that's true. For their case, I didn't know the details other in than In my that. case... The younger woman was predatory towards me. Mm -hmm. She made all the sexual advancements towards me and lied to me about her age, misled me. And that was, that's just really... And that messed with your head. That, 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 did that mess you with your head yes. a little bit? There were three people that lied to me about her age. Whoa. So it wasn't just her. It was a conspiracy. My friend was involved in the lie. And I was very upset about it. I would be upset about that. Yeah. They all Holy told shit. me to chill out. I enjoy the sex. And I was like, um, I can't do that's this anymore. That's my decision. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, that's horrible. Yeah. I would like to know. <laughs> if I'm 
Like, yeah, what? if I'm if I'm like crossing a legal boundary towards statutory rape or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like You're in the that, three year uh, yeah. area, I think, so it's not as big of a deal, but it's still not the it's still really ethically. We are ambiguous. also past the ten years uh, statute of limitations too at this stage in life, and I don't feel guilty about it because I truly three people lied to me. Mm-hmm. No, the, why shouldn't I trust three you're people? You're the victim of war in that scenario. Yeah, but uh, so he got ended up getting married yeah. um, to this uh, to the woman. Yeah. She he was willing. He loved her so much. He would, he was willing to give up the guitar back then. All the preachers. Uh, Called the blues like all the anytime you played blues, it was the devil's music. Oh, that devil's music! Yes, and you were so sweet. <laughs> you were basically ostracized from town to town because of from religious groups because it was the devil's music. And where that uh, slander came from was priests being jealous of the men going out late at nights with all the women at the church in the mornings and going to the juke joint listening to uh, blues. And the preacher was making no money, and then he, the juke joint uh, guys, were making a lot of money, entertaining, and it came from jealousy, and that's where it sparked. Priests have always sabotaged certain sections of society. Yeah, the priests—they're pretty vicious. They can be vicious, and they don't even represent the whole group, and they can easily spark that. They can spark something. Ain't nothing like a mean preacher to fucking fuck up a a man's (laughs) chance at chance at the American dream. It's pretty true. <laughs> um, so he was ostracized for a while about that, but I'll get back to that. That's just important for a later part of the story. Great. Um, so he put down a guitar for her. He worked in the fields. Um, she was going back home to her family, I think, was about a train ride away uh, to have give birth to his, to his child. Um, he was late. He had to do, some, uh, do work or something like that. He ended up going... Did he ever write a blues song that had the lyrics, she's gonna have my baby about a train ride away? No. I, <laughs> oh, damn. You, you what do you think of that one? understand why in a second. Okay. It's, yeah. uh, she basi- he basically was... Once oh. he got there, uh, he was late to the, the birth, and she died during childbirth. Chinga. And then what happened was, when she was dead, her family... He walked in with his guitar. He said, where were you? And then what happened Wait, what? was, yeah, he walked in with his guitar because he was playing guitar on the way there because oh. he took an opportunity to kind of do that right. on the way there. So where were you? That was the first thing. He's like, what do you mean? And then she died because of your playing the devil's music. It's your fault. And then they, Whoa. He was, yeah. Think about that. Did the baby survive? No. Both of them were buried. And he was blamed for it by the entire family. Because he played the devil's He wanted music. to go make a quick little bit of extra money to bring home to his wife and baby. No, that he played the music in general. No, but hang on. Mm-hmm. In his mind, what he's doing is he's playing some cool stuff that makes everybody feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and making a little bit of extra coin to bring home to his wife and child. Mm-hmm. And when he gets there, his in-laws, who probably didn't like him in the first place, mm-hmm. blame his music. Oh, Blame his his, his nature. His, his music freedom. is his nature. That was he described. This was his one way to achieve freedom. <sighs> Fucking in laws. <laughs> That's you know what people can relate even a century apart. Oh man, in laws, in laws is just 
why be jealous? Why your family? Mm-hmm. Once you're in love, walking in on that scene, your dead wife. Where were you? Well, also, yeah, you're not allowed the moment to grieve, right? No, you're blamed. You're but wait a second. He gave up the guitar for her, but then he like cheated. No, because he, he found that opportunity because she went left a little early to go to the to his mom's house, and he wants like found that opportunity to play on the train ride, which was a really long train ride, just to play some tunes on the way. But had he already promised to give up the guitar? Like, like playing for a living, like moving oh, around. Oh, he just wanted oh. to pick it. Like, it's like if you have right. free time around the house, you want to pick right, up right, the guitar. Right. He was still allowed to play guitar. She had no moral dilemma with that. Yeah, it was playing just guitar like around around yeah. town. Or he didn't have time usually, but like it yeah. was going around town. That was that was the problem because he that's a travel. He's a nomad. The traveling, the traveling thing is not good for settling down with a woman. Yeah, and if a woman is not into the travel with you. She's gonna want you to give that up and stay with her. Oh, for sure. And, and help with babies. Johnny Cash had a bit of a situation like that originally. Ooh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. Johnny Cash had a woman at home, and then he had the other woman that he fell in love with, the singer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know her name. I'm. Stupid. But that's like a must be a dilemma for musicians in general because they're always on the road. They're never gonna stop. Um, Unless they're not on tour, I guess. Anymore. Won't stop. Can't stop. Get yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> It's their nature. Oh, for sure. Right? Uh, I'm a bit of I'm a bit like that. I have a rebellious spirit, but I I'm uh, such a cowardly. I have so many cowardly attributes. I was taught with fear, mm. so uh, so I subdue so many of my passions, mm. which which is makes sad, me a good person. Yeah. But, but also at the same like time. you. That's why I like Thelema. Thelema charges me with the intent. Of finding out what is my truest will. What is Thelema? Thelema means it's Greek for will. And that's ah. the AA, the magic guys. That's awesome. The, 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 it, there's the OTO and the AA and maybe some other orders that are copycats, but there are a couple authentic ones that are worldwide. You know, small like 8,000, 10,000 in each one. So like mm-hmm. 20,000, 30,000 total of people. That are that are basically trying to free themselves, free their true will, become become self-actualized in this in essence, because self-actualization, yeah, self-actualization mm-hmm. is an expression of your truest will, isn't it? I mean, that is what self-actualization is. So, mm-hmm. so um, I mean. It's sad that I subdue so many of my passions and, and in a fearful way because I think that there's certain passions which I shouldn't be subduing mm-hmm. that I'm just doing because I'm afraid to be great. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, a lot of people are taught to be afraid to be great. If you have greatness, it's hard for you. You'll be scrutinized. Your constantly. fucking in-laws tell you that your greatness is your, is your wife's, your dead wife's, like is the reason your wife died. You know? Yeah. Like this story. Oh, with my Robert God. Johnson. Yeah, and think about that, that your passion is in your People don't moment. understand greatness because n- we're not all great. You have to sacrifice most. And not all in the same ways. things and most things in your life. People who achieve, achieve those greatness, like most people who achieve greatness, had to sacrifice a lot. They had to make a deal with the devil. Yeah, they, <laughs> which we'll get to. That's a big one. Yeah. So what happened was when she died, he made a promise to... Uh, only do music. That was his only passion. He was on the road now. He's so now he's like, fuck this. Fuck, fuck the world. Yeah. He was a true thelemite, mm-hmm. by the way. 
in he that was a dark sense. guy. He was a dark guy, too. He, well, forget the darkness. That's a brightness. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I love. I love mm-hmm. music. I'm only going to do what I love. Mm-hmm. That, that's respectable. That's passionate. It's respectable. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, look what he gave to the world because of it. Invaluable amounts. Like, it's... He literally, you hear him in most rock songs today without even knowing. Almost <laughs> 90%. Think about that. You don't even know his name. I didn't know his name before exactly. you started speaking about it. I knew this story about the guy that made the deal with the devil, old blue guy. Mm-hmm. And I heard his name, but it was never important enough to me to remember the name. Oh, for sure. But, but I was, but they never, told that, on, they never told that story with his accolades as a guitarist. Mm-hmm. Because... Myth is just an easy one I'm a young generation guitarist. I'm probably like from the rock scene from Robert Johnson. I'm probably like the sixth generation down guitar player. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a great guitar player. I'm not, but I was pretty intense at one point in my life. And my history of guitar playing went back to Jimmy Page. Like that was mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> I didn't go back to the blues. I just knew that Jimmy Page and other older guys were like Clapton and stuff. They were into blues. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I experimented with some blues, but a lot of the blues recordings that I was able to get a hold of in that time when I was interested were shitty recordings. Yeah. It was hard to get into the blues. So I just stuck with what was easy to get my hands on and, mm-hmm. and be cool with. Yeah. It's also really hard to, like, now it's really accessible because <coughs> we have the internet, two Google yes. searches, and we know the exact lineage yeah, of the song. Yeah, now you can find some good blues on the internet and stuff. Oh, for sure. And the recordings mm-hmm. may not be that great, but... But still, you can find like songs with your vibe versus another vibe. Mm, you don't have to go through store to store and look it, for it. Yeah, and really hunt down songs that may not have your vibe that like you can't get into. Yeah. But anyhow, this is interesting about him that he actually is like the founder of modern pop guitar. Oh, he's a fo- basically a lot of sites. What they say, a lot of people, uh, a lot of acclaimed artists say he's influenced. Anyone who's touched a guitar and that you don't even know. It was just a soul journey. He, he, 30 songs, and he was 27 when he died, and he's influenced the world forever. He had his, his adversity, and he just went out there and he soul journeyed. Yeah. Even from the beginning of his life, he There's was plagued with adversity. That too. Think about that. There's more tragedy in the story. Well, tragedy, <laughs> it's like you have a rock. Okay, well, since I was at Masonry last night, you have mm-hmm. a rough rock. Well, you basically got to beat it with a chisel and a mallet. You got to beat that thing to smooth it down. And after all that turmoil, quote-unquote tragedy, quote-unquote adversity, mm-hmm. you end up with a polished, perfect cube stone ready to place in any building, even in the center of the room. You know, it's so beautiful. It needs a lot of pressure to become a diamond, right? That kind of thing. So uh, let's hear this story. I mean, listen, Robert Johnson, we thank you for your sacrifice. I know I've boogied Mm -hmm. to so much of your rhythm. I know now I could intuitively feel it from this story we're hearing. Mm -hmm. And uh, good on you, brother. Uh, Sorry you had to go so quickly. Uh, But... uh, but uh, your light shines on, and mm-hmm. you're basically immortal. So let's let's keep going with the story. What's going on? So he decided to pick up the guitar again. He went to uh, a juke joint. He started mm-hmm. playing on the streets too. People would actually complain from around the street 
Be like, get that guy. Someone take the guitar away from him. Get that devil music away from my house. Oh, no, that, not because it was blues. <laughs> he was bad. He was really oh. bad. Get that shitty fucking guitarist yep, away from come. this fucking block. Ding, ding, ding. I'm done with Someone this. Someone take that uh, boy's guitar away. What is that screeching over there? Someone killing a cat? That's literally, <laughs> literally that. People yeah. actually complained around him. And it, he was actually kicked out of all the juke, like a big amount of the juke joints because people thought he would break <laughs> the strings of the guitar and they wanted him out. They wanted him not near. He broke the strings of his no, guitar? It looked what? like he was, when he was playing, it looked like he was so bad that it was going to break the guitar <laughs> strings. They kicked him out and said, please. Please don't come back. Just don't. Oh, this is a fun story. I like this guy. Yeah. So he said, I'll show you. Leaves for a year and a half. At the time, nobody knows where he was. I'll show you. Yeah. Okay. I'll show you. You know what You know what? I'll show you is? What? It is my father's mantra. Mm. My father said, I must have heard him say it over a million times growing wow. up. He used to say this out loud. You can't tell me not to do something. Because then I'll do it. Wow. If people told, ever told me I couldn't do something, I'd do it. Just to prove them wrong. Jeez. He would all, he, a million times. Over a million times. My Did father it get unhealthy said that. at one point? Or is it all like good? Oh, yes, it got unhealthy. <laughs> it's got of course it got unhealthy. <laughs> he, he's a wild. He even had Wilson's disease, which... Mm. Which in its earliest stages created manic behavior. Mm. So pair that attitude with manic behavior. Ooh. Oh, and a little bit of a lack of empathy. Oops. That's Oops. Wilson's disease. Lack of empathy and manic behavior. That's a fucking <laughs> Molotov cocktail right there. That's with the <laughs> attitude of, can't tell me not to do it. Holy shit. It brought him a lot of success. Julian, don't like walk it. on the broken glass. You know, he has a video because he couldn't walk... Basically, Wilson's Actually, disease. is this a real thing? Basically, yes, this is a real thing. He, uh, this is an example, but it actually also happened. Uh-huh. I know this My is father's Wilson's video. disease also, after the manic and the lack of empathy, later mm-hmm. stages are Parkinson's-like cyst, uh, symptoms Oof. with uh, loss of control of body movement and muscle control, as well as Alzheimer's-like symptoms with Oof, forgetfulness. Forgetfulness, forgetfulness like, like the lack of lucidity, tracking stuff. Mm. Um, and he was still incredibly successful for a very long time. He right? was incredibly successful for a very long time. He was a sales uh, master because of his. Uh, he, he with sales, he said, I would. I used to f- find it fun to figure out what make makes people tick and give it to them. That's, That's easy enough. Yeah, it's easy enough, and it made him kind of. Uh, very generous course. person in yeah. a lot of ways because of that attitude. Um, and he gave back, uh, he was a volunteer of the year in our city of Vaughan for like six years consecutively. Wow. Volunteer of the year in a whole city um, because he saw a lot of corruption and complaining and, and just um, uh, like inadequacies in uh, in children's sports, mm-hmm. in league sports, and he went in there and he's like, a lot of people complain they don't do anything. I'm not gonna complain. I'm gonna do something. He faced threats from the mafia to fucking fix corruption in uh, in double uh, A hockey. <laughs> what he, he had yeah. death threats. He eventually 
he eventually made friendly with a big Irish guy who was married to uh, into a mafia family <laughs> who who also didn't dislike corruption in child children's sports. Called out bluffs, and you know, too. like called there, out. yeah, called out bluffs. There were there were some alleged mafia guys that, if they were even connected, they were very low uh, hanging fruit, mm-hmm. and uh, they would make they would use this. Uh, the fact that they were Italian, they would use the line, let's just say, I'm Italian. I have a lot of friends. In an argument. Mm. As a, like a threat. An implied threat. Yeah. And uh, never worked for my dad. Even when the threat got physical and somebody put a hockey stick through his windshield while he was at a hockey game. Holy shit. That's yeah. A, people get really intense for kids Oh, hockey. God, they do. They're like proxy wars for other parents. That's and this big thing. Irish guy, this big Irish guy put that one guy in his place like in a serious way, which mm. was pretty cool because the big Irish guy alone could take on a big fucking Italian guy. Like if mm. a, he looked like a mafia hitman. <laughs> the the oh big Irish God. guy, right? Yeah, like a, so it was like, yeah, come on. But also, but also, who are you? Because I am somebody. Mm-hmm. Kind of an issue, you yeah. know. Like, who are you in the mafia? Because I'm married to the Italian mafia, and if you get a good glimpse on of me. I'm a fucking. I look like a big Irish hitman, yeah, so bruiser. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're fucking. Choose your words wisely. Yeah, choo- stop, stop that. Stop playing around, fool. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's a good attitude. It really yeah. Like, so these are attitudes I grew up with uh, with my dad, and and uh, and so yeah. The story with the glass is uh, he has a hard time walking. Mm-hmm. So anything to do with walking is a big challenge for him. And uh, he has, uh, and uh, he did this, uh, he's going through this personal evolution because he, like, basically was a party animal that became an, an invalid. Mm. Um, and uh, now he, and he went through this, mar- and, he, and poor, too, mm. all of a sudden. He got divorced with my mother and all this crazy shit happened. We could go into that on another day. Um, and uh, he walked right over. Broken Glass as a marketing, leadership, motivational kind Holy of course. Shit. He flew to the States somewhere with a bunch, of, with a group of people, and he wore a fucking sweat, uh, uh, sweatband on his head. He's a crazy guy. I don't know why he's wearing a sweatband just to walk. He only walked 10 feet. But he always wears like a sweatband, got all like jogging suited up. Oh my god! 80, 1985 style. Glass, <laughs> yeah, 1976 jogging suit. He's not <laughs> just, going for a 2K run. He's going for a 10 feet of yeah. glass. Like, what's happening? I saw the video. He's in like a 1976 jogging suit with Holy the short shorts shit. right up to the ass cheek. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it wasn't that bad. I'm exaggerating, but. But oh, God, Dad, here, your yeah. style is awesome, buddy. <laughs> my wife always uh, complains about my fashion, and, and it basically comes from my dad. And my dad used to also say kind of belligerently to society, like, he would say, I'm British. Uh, we don't have fashion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just made excuses for being an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to Robert Johnson. He's far more... Well, yeah, I think he's far more interesting than my dad. My dad is interesting, though. He's interesting. That's a, that's a high bar right there. Really, so he says, I sh- I'll show you. And then he leaves for a year. Nobody knows where he went. Like, I'll, I'll get back into where we, he actually went in a bit. But he leaves, he comes back. 
He said, oh, who, who comes who the cat dragged in, right? He comes back, and he said, uh, no, no, let me just play once. He said, okay, fine, I'll let you play. And okay, this guy, so he leaves for how long? A year and a half, I think, okay. a year. Yeah. Uh, like a year and a little bit. So and nobody knows where he went? Nobody. What about the, time, the mentor you told me about? That's later. Oh, okay. But, uh, so I'll get that name up, too, in a second. But basically, he lives in a year, and I think at the club, this was one of the best guitar players in uh, Mississippi at the time was at that club as well. And he said, oh, I'll get out of here, this guy again. And then he said, oh, no, no. Robert said, oh, no, let me just try once. He had a seven-string guitar this time. People were confused. Like, why does he have seven strings? Ooh, so what he does. This is sweet. Yeah. He goes on. He Lucky plays. seven. He plays faster than anyone else has ever played. <laughs> People's jaws drop. They are ecstatic. The best guy in Mississippi at the time, one of the best guys, said, I'm nowhere near this guy's level. Whew. Nowhere near. That's a big one. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing. And then he said, "Everyone." <laughs> yeah, the best guy. Of, where was this? Mississippi. This Mississippi. State? Yeah. The best guy's like ding dong dong. He's like, like plucking it, and then this guy shit. comes in. He's like, yeah, what the no, fuck? he's like, he's playing well, but then this guy's playing like three people who are playing the, the guitar at once Exactly. He had inhuman long fingers, so he could. It looks. He, can play he had long fingers too. Very, very long. Fingers. Oh, long finger guys play the best instruments. There oh, was a, yeah. there was a pianist from Europe mm-hmm. in uh, medieval times, or I mean, sorry, uh, Victorian times, whose hand was the size of like two man's hand. He could reach ten or twelve keys allegedly. Wow. With with one hand, yeah. and. Uh, when my music teacher, who was also the pianist for the Moody Blues before mm. they uh, went on tour and all that stuff, nice. before they took off, he was at a private school. Uh, he told about <laughs> this pianist and said, the ladies loved him. <laughs> he had big hands. This is like a improper yeah, it's a, it's English implied, man yeah. on a, with a English bunch of English gentlemen as a faculty. <laughs> they just hired him because he was a rock star. That's amazing. <laughs> That's at St. Andrews College uh, in the 90s at that that experience. But, yeah. So, That's big hands, crazy. apparently. Yeah, That's big awesome. Hands. Big hands. Wow. Many uses. Many uses. Yeah, many uses. Yeah. Ladies love them. <laughs> <laughs> so, he blew everyone up. He basically, he was the best. He was the best of the best of the best. And nobody knew what he did. He had... He had uh, Bunch of songs alluding to ma- making a deal with the crossroads, making a deal with the devil, being a on the run from crossroads. Yeah. That's the trickster, the crossroads. Ooh, things like that, like running from bloodhound, de- like uh, bloodhound stuff like that. The trickster is also symbolized by the dog-headed mm. trickster. Oh, he was a trickster and a half. You'll you'll find out. He uh, he was a trickster. Oh, this guy was a trickster. He was a deviant, Robert Johnson was more of a deviant than a, tri- a trickster. He got a lot into drinking and women, just kind of like a a hobby. Like, like all I'm gonna hobby. do is play guitar, and while I'm playing guitar, I like to have sex. It's good exercise. Like and, he, he did uh, it moderately at first, but then he met another woman. Um, they got married this time. Well, they had he uh, she had her kid or his kid. Yeah, and then this time. He moved. She survived. It was a baby boy. Um, the grandfather and the grandmother forbid him from seeing her ever again and blocked every time when he went to the house from and told to leave. Where he the went. woman's parents. Yes, mm-hmm. because he, 
he played the devil's music. You can't come round here with that devil music. <laughs> <laughs> so he, that's why people had no idea where he was or his child. They found out his, uh, like they now know who, who, who is lit, like a, who his the lineage? kid is, right? Yeah. His lineage, but they had no idea for the longest time because that, he wow. was blocked. Even later in life, his, the guy, the, the <laughs> son, to, it was filmed talking about this, was saying, I remember it like it was yesterday. When I was seven years old, it was the first time I saw my father, and he came there. Again, the number seven, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he died at 27. I'm expecting a third seven in this story. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I don't, I don't know if there is, but Let's keep going. maybe there Find is. Um, so he tries to give him the grandfather money, at least. At least take the money, please. I, I just want my son to be okay, yeah, well-fed yeah. and okay. And then as his son was looking in the window... He was describing this. And he saw Robert Johnson. And that's the last time he ever saw his father. Whoa. And the only time he's, only see, he's seen his father. Whoa. Yeah. At seven years old. So. I feel for them. Yeah. Just because he, Fucking again, ignorance. played his. Fucking his, ignorance. His, oh ignorance and dogma. <sighs> and fear. The greatest of all time. Inacceptance. Imagine if he gave up because he had so much to lose. It's a folly. Yeah. He had so much to lose if he gave up the music. Think about how much of us as a society would have lost just for musically. Like, what if Beethoven just stopped playing music? What if Bach stopped playing music? They influenced us forever. But if they just stopped because something like Do you think that, he believed? Do you think he believed there was the devil's music? I think they did. It was. It was really. Do you think he believed it was the devil's music? At one point, he, he identified it. At that point, he after that he identified with it. That, I don't. No, that's an identification. I don't think he believed. Yeah. yeah, he didn't believe it. I think he believed it was the god's music. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they say about music and poetry and art? What? In uh, in many mystical traditions and mindsets, mm-hmm. they claim it to be angelic language mm. or divinely inspired. Divinely inspired. It's a uniquely human way of expressing yourself. Which is why, when they heard a different way of divinity's, like, nature's expression of music and sound, Mm -hmm. i.e. blues, versus whatever else they were listening to, waltz, whatever the fuck they were listening to. Church music, their choir. It was so different that they felt it was the devil's music. Also, it was lively. It made them want to dance and move a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. It also made them think a little bit differently because the lyrics were downright depressing in a lot of the, those songs. Oh, for sure. So, like, there's a different... Th- there was this response, but there is something healing. I wrote... One of my favorite songs to mm-hmm. sing is a song, Sandra. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I'm not a great musician. I'm not made for pop music. But my mm-hmm. songs are little, like, prayers, little, like psychological insights, poems. Mm. They're expressions of myself. Yeah. They're Sometimes they're like a therapy, too. So this song was a therapy. It describes uh, she was a girl of, uh, I was a boy of 17. She was a girl who liked being mean. And I wanted to love. I wanted to see what it could be. But I was in for a special treat. <clears throat> she hurt me. She used me. She lied to me. All those things, right, are in the mm-hmm. song. And then it even says, Sandra, I still dream of you. Mm-hmm. 
you hurt me and you scarred me. That's why I dream of you. Sandra, I forgive you. What the fuck happened to you? That's not the exact lyric, but yeah. basically that sentiment. How do you that's, like that? What does that make you good. think? You, you got it. Exactly. Not a lot of people get it. Mm-hmm. It's not expressed. a lot of people get it. They think I'm just angry. No, it's just you, you're expressing. I learned so much about myself it's a writing window. that song. It's a window into your soul, mm-hmm. into, your, into your life. It's a really personal, intimate view. And that's what music is. It's windows into these people's lives. And they're expressing through an art purely that we, only we enjoy. Like, it's crazy. It's like, we create. It's it got me a little sentimental right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny little uh, detail about that song is when I played it, I got the courage to play it for my wife because I was like, fuck it. Like, this is just an honest, like mm-hmm. you're saying, insight into my soul. Might as well share it with my one lover, my main lover um, in, in my life, and even though it's about another previous lover. And she, uh, and she, uh, when she heard it, I said, what do you think? She's like, it explains a lot. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> My wife doesn't really believe in holding back punches. Holy <laughs> shit, that's a fucking, no mercy at that point. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyways Yeah, Robert Johnson, let's go Oh, fuck <laughs> Damn um, So I think uh, That happened And at that point, that's when he really Kind of fell off the, the wagon He was getting very popular throughout the country He was very popular People were hearing about him And his amazing music He's only been to- uh, photographed twice He was never actually recorded okay. Forever yeah. And he was only recorded uh through his music. He was actually never... He was very elusive. It was strange. That's why it kind of built this big mystery of a man. Like, it, it hyped up the myth a lot more. Like this is I don't this think it was strange that he was elusive. He was basically probably running from the law a lot of the time, running from the lynch mob oh, a lot yeah. of the time. Not the law, but the lynch mob. And so you want to be elusive. You don't want them to be able to recognize you in town if you don't have your guitar. Oh, also, he slept with so many people. Oh, my God. He could have messed... Yeah. You That's how he died, yeah. actually. You want to hear that? That's a... Uh, yeah, let's probably, hear about that part. He, um... The, after that second tragedy, uh, and lots of tragedies throughout his life, his life was just a lot of tragedies. What was the second tragedy? Just him not being able to see his son or be able to right. interact yes. with his wife or yes. his new lover because he played the, his devil's music. Oh, damn. So, he got really into alcohol at that point. He was it was alcohol and women, and then he was in a very he was he had a huge ego at the time too. So he was very egotistical. He was an alcoholic. He just slept with everyone. He was in a dark place. His only thing that gave him light, and the only thing he cared about in anything, it was music, and that's all he cared at that point. He was that hurt. So he was just it was he was just his music. And to one point. He was, I'll uh, agree mm-hmm. that alcohol is a dark place. Oh, it can be. But I'm morally neutral on whether or not sleeping with a lot of people is a dark place. No, how he did it, though. Apparently, he's very disrespectful. And, like, Ooh. yeah. Like, that's how he's what? very disrespectful to the wife. That's how the, his last, basically, drink. He's very disrespectful. He's hitting on his, the man's, the owner of the Jive uh, 
the Jive Club, no, uh, the the Duke joint, he was hitting on his wife and being very disrespectful and being seducing her. Whoa, he really just was fed up with society. He eh? didn't give a f- he fuck everyone. Like, fuck the society conformities. I'm gonna no, just it wasn't do what conformity. I it was just like fuck everyone. It's me and my music, and I don't care. It's like that's how he's described in certain ways. So well, fuck everybody except for his son, who he tried to feed. Yeah, no, he did the right thing. He was just constantly hurt by everyone in his life, and then he just was right. fed up. That was like the last straw in a lot of ways. Okay. Most people would have broken down way before him. I feel mm-hmm. like, but anyways, he was seducing the wife. He was being really respectful about it too, and and then he was given a drink that was broken. The seal was broken, and on the whiskey. And then his friend slapped the drink out of his hand. He said, never drink. He was about to take a drink of it, like the whiskey. He said, never drink from an unsealed whiskey. And then Robert said, I will, uh, the next time you slap uh, a $7 whiskey out of my hand, I'll show you something. There's the third seven. Yeah. Or is it $8? I think it was $8, $7. It might have been seven. Let's keep been. it seven. Let's keep it seven. So $8, $7. <laughs> um, he picks it up and then <laughs> takes a giant swig of it He's against his friend's advice after smacking it out of his hand, and he gets incredibly ill, and then he was poisoned by the husband, and then he died that way. Isn't you should have listened to your friend. Yeah. No, he didn't care about anyone at that point. He was in a, what a waste, though. That was the biggest, what a generational talent. Okay, can I tell you a story about someone slapping a beer out of my hand? Go for it. It's a little bit different, though. So some of my acquaintances in high school and college age were a little bit gangster. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew this guy named Politic. He's, uh, he was an Italian guy from an Italian neighborhood mm-hmm. who was really into black people. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and at one point was ostracized. He was like a Rasta at one point and an mm. athlete. A really talented athlete and a Rasta and a creative person. And uh, and he was ostracized a lot, even though he was an athlete and the other athletes, but the athlete, like gangster athletes, like he would play with gangster athletes. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a talk with him one day and, and explaining to him like, look, man, you're cool. You got all your cool shit. But if you don't like being treated the way people are treating you, you might want to play into their fucking structure while you do your cool shit on the side. You don't have to fucking, like, wear, like, a sleeve. And then, like, I didn't really have a friendship with him. I just said this to him because I'm, like, fucking, like you say, I go deep with people right away. Yeah, you're just, you're not, you're being very authentic. And I saw, and, and this guy, like, we got deep, and, like, he was part of the hood, and I was like, all right, dude. Like I see you all the time. Like fucking, I'm gonna say this to you because I see your struggle. Yeah. And I sympathize. Fucking a year and a half later, he's rising to the top of at the basketball courts. There was a little bit of a drug confederacy mm. and uh, or co-op, and he started rising through the tops of the ranks of that co-op. And uh, and uh, <laughs> one time. We played basketball, and I didn't... I remember I told you that story where my mom said I was too short to play basketball at at sports camp Mm -hmm. one year and discouraged me playing basketball. Well, I also was taught to be a grunt in in hockey. 
mm. and in football. So I was great at like fucking with people with shit talking and with fucking shit up and playing around and stuff. And I played basketball like that. And fucking, we're going to call this guy Paltic. Paltic, mm-hmm. fucking, uh, he, uh, he fucking wanted to fight me. Because of what you said. Because of stupid shit I was saying. Just like joking around and playing, but I was being competitive, right? Yeah, it's in the game. He took it way too fucking personal. He's a hot-headed uh, Calabresi kind of fucking... Calabresi Italians are considered hot-headed and fiery. Mm. And, um, and he's Torino, which is, which is like Calabres, but not quite Calabres. And uh, anyhow, um, <laughs> he wants to fight me. And, you know, I'm a, I was known as a really good fighter. So... I kept, like, blocking him and blocking him, and people are trying to pull him back. Nobody's really doing anything with me either, but I'm, but I'm like, blocking him. And then, I'm like, I threw a fucking super fast punch right at his nose and pulled it right at the edge of his nose with extreme accuracy, and I just, like, threw my fist right, just, like, so fast. Like, and then I had my fist in his nose, and I said, the next one is a real one. Chill the fuck out. Yeah. Like, stop trying to kick me in the balls and take me to the ground, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. One way or another, I got you. Stop this. Mm-hmm. I'm your friend. And I also said, I'm your friend. Stop. What the fuck are you trying to... F-? And he stopped. Yeah. Okay, because A, I kept reminding him we're friends. It's like, and B, he realized it wasn't worth it and uh, I was probably going to give him his licks. Yeah, but also stupid shit. That's stupid. And so then he fell into the guy's arms who were grabbing him and like, whatever. The guys that were trying to grab his back weren't trying to really hard. <laughs> yeah. They were doing it more for show. They were kind of curious to They're see what would happen. like, oh, just, <laughs> I want to look like I'm trying to. Yeah, that's kind of funny. So like we had that in our history, but we were friends. Mm-hmm. And then later, unfortunately, he had a death in the family of someone really close to him. And we bonded over that experience too because, you know, I was there for, I, I mean, I just went and hugged his whole family. I didn't do much, but he knew that I loved him, right? Mm-hmm. From the neighborhood, the neighborhood love. Yeah. And I've even been invited to his wedding. But this is at another friend's wedding prior to his wedding. We're hanging around, and he's like top-level gangster now. Mm. Okay? He's a, he's a dealer, and he's, uh, he's hardcore. He's been to jail like three times already. Mm. And uh, and he's got this. Lo- he's a white guy, well, an Italian guy, and he's got this. Uh, he's got this braided ponytail that's like long, natural hair down to his ass, and he's in one of those like jumpsuit, like nineteen nineties suits, like where you got a, uh, where you got um. Uh, where they're all one color and it's like just a button-up shirt with a collar, mm. kind of specialized collar. Jumpsuit. Yeah. So, so his pants. So the what suit, he, the color? suit he's wearing is like a gangster suit, like a New York. They were a fad in New York for a while. Mm. I don't know how to describe them. There's a name for them. It's like a ones, onesie kind of. One thing? color. No, it's like it's like dress pants, but one color. Mm. Usually a flashy color. And then a button-up shirt that's like a real nice fabric. 
Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of one color. And his color was red. Okay, all red. Mm-hmm. With the ponytail weighed, weighed down. Like, maybe he's in with bikers. I don't know. Yeah. I suspect he is as well. But, so, so we're all fucking smoking a joint outside in the parking lot outside of our buddy's wedding. Because, mm-hmm. like, some of the weddings I've been to have been, like, straight-up gangster weddings, man. Yeah. That's it. And we're out there, and we're smoking a joint and shit, and, you know, the family's trying to stay away from us and stuff. And, uh, and I go, hey, politic, man, I'm fucking loving your outfit. But I'm saying this sincerely, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sincere. But he took it the wrong way. He was like, I go, I'm loving your outfit, dude. You look like a fucking Algonquin <laughs> gangster. <laughs> I said, you look like an Algonquin gangster because I knew he was spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to the guy that, like, I was being real with yeah, him. I'm seeing it from the other side, too, from like, his side. Like, from his side, and also, oh, like, oh so God. much time had lapsed since he was a Rasta. Yeah. And, like, you know, I'm a bit of a Rasta deep down at heart, mm-hmm. and we're both kind of Rastas deep down at heart. And, and I was talking to that guy, mm-hmm. but he was in a crowd of, like, gangsters smoking a joint, even though we're all from the hood, and, like, even if they judge him, like, whatever, he's a, he was top dog, and... Yeah. I'm crazy white guy. Like, fuck. They, they, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm respected for, like, the way I am. Yeah. Basically, just the way I am is what gets me respect right. yeah. everywhere I go in different kinds of societies. I'm honest. I'm loyal. I'm upright. I'm on the level. I'm not judging you, even if you're evil. Yeah. You're I may just... speak about it, like, hey, I'm not into that evil. You're not authentic, inauthentic, but you're not, like, <coughs> really, like, confrontational or like hot-headed i don't think are you no i could be hot-headed if if cornered but other Mm -hmm. than that no no yeah um but so so i did he i hear I, i so then he turns around and now there's these two brothers we'll call them the lopez brothers okay and the two and one of the the younger lopez brother uh the older lopez brother is like an og and he has got a lot of respect for me because of my fighting skills because he was a hand-to-hand fighter. Mm. And, uh, and we had a couple sparring sessions and he got to know like, how good I actually am. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even let him win so he could keep the title of King of Maple. He created a title for himself, oh. and then he kept, like, fucking fighting, and you could see he was struggling, and he had been drinking even more than me, mm-hmm. and it was not a fair fucking sparring match, yeah. and I was just dominating, and then I'm like, fuck, this guy is not going to let me enjoy my evening unless he keeps the fucking King of Maple title, which yeah. he gave himself, so give it to him. This. So then I fucking throw a fucking punch, but I make sure he can't hurt me, but I'm like, yeah. take a punch in the shoulder. I'm like, oh, you got me that time, man. Oh, you know, like, yeah. oh, okay, okay, see you later. You got it. You got it. You still got it. So he fought you after saying that, or? No, 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 no. So this was, old, this was old, back in the day, before the wedding, I proved to this OG guy with a sparring session how good I was, and then in that sparring session kind of like forfeited a couple couple things so he could be the king of maple Mm. and you know what he was the king of maple in a lot of ways and why the fuck threaten the guy's ego just because he's drunk and older and yeah and i've been studying hard and have a maybe 
a better way of fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to like affect you know? your ego saying yeah, like yeah. got you. Yeah, it didn't matter to me. So, and I was happy to to be to maintain our friendship, right? So it came in handy this night. Mm-hmm. Uh so right away, now he's not in the crowd smoking the joint. Right now we're in a session and and he turns his back to the session. We're in a circle. He turns his back to the circle and the other guy leans in on the uh, the younger Lopez brother. And he sa- and I hear, oh, i And he slaps his fist into his hand. And I could hear the word punch in him. And, and then Your body like the younger, changes. and I'm like, no, I'm just like, come on, Polly. We've been through this before. You're not going to punch me. I'm just say stupid things. And you get up a little upset because mm-hmm. your ego is a little more intense. Because, um, you know, in prison, if I said that, you'd expect to get punched. But we're not in prison, man. We're at a wedding with friends. I'm like telling you I like your style. Yeah. Maybe I said it. And he took it the wrong way. He took it the wrong way, way, which I understand. And I was like, oops. Right? You're like, wait, fuck. I don't know if that came out right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, but the Lopez, the younger Lopez brother goes to politics. He's like, he's like, uh, um, he's like, uh, then he says out loud. I hear the word like kind of like mumbled push and like that body language. And then he says out loud, uh, nah, man, it's all love. He's just being funny. He's fucking funny yeah. is what he says, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he like, he kind of st- steams it off and we continue the joint and we all go inside. So I see he doesn't have a beer. And it's a pain in the ass to wait at a bar at weddings because it's open bar. So yeah. there's a lineup. So I go and I fucking get a beer f- for me and for him. Mm-hmm. And I go over to Polly and I say, here and go, man, I'm sorry for, like, I, w- I was out of love. I really respect your style. And as I'm handing him the beer, he slaps it onto the ground. Oh. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? I'm like, You're, you don't got to be so hard, man. Like, yeah, we're so fucking we're all friends here. You don't have to be so hard. There's no pecking order happening. I'm not coming in, stepping on your toes. This is not that. And and uh, and thanks to the King of Maple, he turns around and he's and he explains. He's like, "Yo, man, that fucking guy. You can't fucking don't fuck with Backhouse. He's fucking one of us, man. Don't fuck with him. He's an OG." Blah blah blah. And and basically, like he stuck up for me in the moment. He was very prompt and mm. sticking up for me with Polly because I guess he could see Polly was getting. Flustered. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm avoiding Polly all night. The other issue with Polly, too, is I'm into black girls just like he's into black girls. He has a very sexy wife. Oh, okay. And we get along. We're on the same vibe. She's a Jamaican girl. Mm-hmm. Audrey, she's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we dance at these weddings, Audrey and I, because Polly's not always dancing. I don't know if there's some of that behind the heat, but. I think it was mainly the Algonquin gangster thing. Like, come on, man! You got a braid down to your ass. You look like like some fucking like native like white guy with the gangster suit. There's so many different influences on your style. It's yeah. awesome. You got an awesome style. Very. I can take you out of the crowd. I'm, I'm not yeah. gonna confuse you for anyone else. I was like, and also it takes guts to be like that. This guy has fucking huge guts, huge balls 100%. to just be to go from someone everybody was picking on. To the fucking king, like a high level guy. 
Mm. And still dress like... And do whatever he wants. (laughs) He's also... He also... Here's now I'm gossiping, and I'm sorry, dude, but, like, this fucking story is so fucking fun and cool, and and you really... I really have a lot of love and a lot of respect for you uh, and and your family, and, uh, and love that that you're a good father. He's a good father, mm. right? He's a great example of a father. He became a father really young with another woman. And then they kind of like, he, he supported her and they, he left her because she was like, they were fighting and stuff like that. So they broke up. And then he, and he never married her, but they were living together and he supported her, but he still supported her and, and they had three kids at that point. Mm. And then he met his wife and they had a child. Mm. And then, like, actually, um, well, A, Caribbean culture, polygamy is kind of like, r- serial polygamy is a lot more common and accepted. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, another factor is in all cultures, the first year of having a child puts a lot of stress, stress on, the, on the marriage. Oh, 100%. Because the child is so demanding to, the, to each individual. How much sleep do you get in the first year? Not a lot either, and that has a biological effects. There's so many biological effects and stresses mm-hmm. of having a child that they broke up. And then he went with his other baby mama and was living with that family for a while. Mm-hmm. And they had another child. And then he went back with his wife and they had another child. So is that four kids or one? I think it's something like seven or, or eight kids. And uh, they're all, they were all girls. I think he finally had a boy. I think he's like, so what was that, like three? I think it was, no, it was two, and one. how many years did he have? Seven kids. It was six or seven kids over like a decade. Wow. So like his youngest one, his, old, his first child is like, she's, she's like a woman now. Mm, wow. She's probably like a young woman, like a teenager, a young woman. She's probably like your age, actually. And, um, and like he raises them well. He raises them to be respectful. He raises a lot. Like he's, he's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, and he is... Ballsy enough and fair enough and wise enough and energetic enough he, to create enough peace that both his baby mamas treat all the kids like they're one of the like family. Wow. Because it's their so basically they babysit for one another and they fucking hang the kids hang out and have a lot of like family time. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. He's an amazing person, and I have a lot of respect for him. I, I, I mean, I never really cared if he got upset with me for commenting earnestly about, about him. Yeah. He's an outstanding character, mm-hmm. okay? And I don't judge him if he, if he does alleged crimes. Like, I actually have no knowledge of any crimes that he, that he does, but uh, because purposely I took myself away from that knowledge and made it clear that everybody was supposed to leave me out of that kind of knowledge, mm-hmm. that I was just going to hang out and kind of be an entertaining person. Yeah. And also, if anything went down in the moment, you could trust that I'll have your back mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, there was one time Polly wanted me to 
to hold the stash for him. But I had no experience with that, and I told him, I go, I have no, I, I don't know what the fuck to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you've been to prison, you fucking do it. And he did, and he got away with it. But I think because of his record, he didn't want to do it himself. And I don't know what he had, and I didn't see it, right? But, and this was like a decade ago, and he could be, he also is in the trade. Mm. And uh, and I think that he's so smart that he would probably prefer to make money legally if yeah. he could and stay out of danger. So, but he definitely lives on the outsides of conformity. And uh, and like listen to that cool example of this guy. Like that's a yeah, cool. That's an interesting. That's a unique life. That's a unique life. Yeah. yeah. I hope he. I hope he wouldn't get upset by by us. Like. No, yeah. Telling his story Because you know what He's not It's not so unique actually A lot of men Have families With different women It's written about in the Bible In mm-hmm. fact And I would believe That would be his motivation For living that way mm-hmm. Because For him It would be It would be about like Just making sure he's happy but also being loyal to his loved ones, like allowing himself to love people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But not limiting it, because basically the constructs of marriage are limiting. Why would you only have to marry, uh, love one person? Yeah, it was mostly, it's pushed for religious reasons mostly. I think there were some, I think there were some survival reasons, like, like, uh, STDs as well as stability in home life. But I think there are ways if... I think that two men could rarely coexist in a household, but two or more women can easily exist, coexist in a household. Mm-hmm. Although women have their bickerings and stuff like that, but you could get women that, are, that become like sister friends yeah. that live together. There's think, actually a lot of examples of... That's weird, though, for guys. I feel like guys should... I understand if you don't. It's just a more competitive... More weirdly possessive. We are more possessive. We're more ego fragile. We're less emotion. We're we're less emotional and and more emotionally uh, sensitive or fragile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the women being more emotional, they they have understandings, like greater understanding. Yeah, they understand than for us. the greater good. I'm gonna put my ego aside for a second. Yeah. And realize yeah. this yeah. is for the kids, and not for me. Yeah, and a lot of and and some of I don't know my mom. Got carried away with that. She uh, she avoids confrontation, period, and will lie and and say what they submit and yeah, of, and just really annoying. do some annoying things uh, in an unhealthy way. But there probably are some natural in- instincts uh, for survival reasons. But let's get back to we we ventured for a little while here. Mm-hmm. Robert Johnson has inspired all this talk, all these cool stories. What a it, so he was poisoned. Years later, after his death, he yeah. still does this. Now you never went into the voodoo and the Ooh, the, the deal with the devil. Ah, uh, okay. So for that year, they found and out the later dog. after. Mm, for well, that was mostly things in the song. There was a um, one quote. I forget what it was called. It's a basically he made a lot of references to voodoo and stuff like that in general in his songs. So that's another. That was mostly influenced what people thought. But him making the deal with the devil was a lot of 
empowering stuff back then. Like, just had, the voodoo had a lot of control for people who did not have much control in their lives. So it was just really empowering for people like Robert Johnson. And also, it was, a, it was his belief, so he can do whatever he wants in that aspect. But for that year and a half, do you know what he did? They found out later. What? He, I will get the name right here. Um, just momentarily... His name was. Da, 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 da. Give me one moment. Sorry, it's just loading up right here. Give me, wanna... give me never gets. Don't you know your matters yet? Ike Zimmerman. There you go. Okay, who's Zimmerman? <laughs> so he was one of the better players in his hometown. He was one of the best guitarists. In was Maine. Zimmerman black yes, or Jewish? He was black. Was he black Jewish? I don't know. I just know about him mentor. Seems like it. Zimmerman is a Jewish last name, but uh, it's a German last name, but Jewish German. Mm, mainly. But uh, he met him on his way back home after him being ostracized from the Juke uh, Juke Joint. People saying he's not good enough, and that was his dream, his passion. He gave it, given up everything for this, and he wasn't good enough anymore. So he went away. And on on the way going back home, just to find some sort of connection with his roots, he met Ike, and Ike was Ike very, Zimmerman. Ike Zimmerman, yes, on the route, and he was a very, very, very famous uh, guitar player there, one of the best in that area where his blues, was. blues, yes. And the his trick music. was at the best time to play blues is at a cemetery at midnight. The guys when the spirits or what. I think there was another word he used, but that's when basically the spirits are there. And don't worry, nobody will complain here. So what he did is they had they found the exact tombstones. There were two tombstones, big tombstones facing Whoa. each other. And they played every night for a year. In between two big tombstones. No, they he they sat on two tombstones facing each other. You're right. Playing right. every night. And ta- he taught uh, Robert Johnson everything he knew. And that's where he was for the year. Ain't now. nowhere to play my blues except for on the uh, dead the man's tombs. <laughs> but think about how powerful that is for making music just in a tombstone, in a graveyard every night alone with either. You yes, or the imagery is, uh, is chilling. Yeah. Like, and different types of midnight. There's the mm-hmm. new moon midnight and the full moon midnight and what all the, the interim. Well, a new moon would be a real dark midnight because there's no moon. There's no light. Mm. A full moon midnight would be a f- really bright night where you could see everything. everything. The sky, the clouds still. It shimmers against... The, the tombstones yeah. are shimmering against the... Yeah. The so there'd be a cycle and you'd be aware of that. You'd be well aware of that if you were out there without modern light. That's crazy. Yeah, we're not aware of our moon cycles because of modern light and light pollution. But if you go far enough into the country or the bush and you're up at night, you get aware of the moon cycles. So for the new moon. Because you see the night crazy. change. That means yeah. he's learning in, in the, the dark. dark. Yeah. Or new next moon. to a candle. Next to a single candle, him and his mentor. Uh, I went for, I went f- in a country road in Scotland, mm. in Oban, in, in, in Tainalt, in Verah. Uh, Real chilling new moon night. I went for a jog. I was fucking scared shitless. Yeah. The darkness and the quietness 
Oh, and it was the rumble. new moon. Nope. It was the new moon. It jog. was a new moon, and I went for a jog in the new moon. It was so pitch dark. There was a point where I left the light. We had artificial light. I was on an estate, and it had artificial light until a certain part of the path. Oh, yeah. I must have ventured into that path for about 30 to 60 seconds before I made up my mind to turn around. Oh, no, I've done that before. Because, like, once I got into complete darkness, like, once I got out of the barrier of light, Mm. the light pollution, um, oh, my God, it was chilling. It's complete darkness. It was just complete darkness. It was, like, weird noises. You, like, you're, you're not even sure what's in front of you on the path. You're afraid, like, there could be a... My imagination so vivid, I'm like thinking there's a bear, thinking there's a cougar, because I'm near mountains, thinking there's a, I don't know what they have in Scotland if they have cougars, thinking there's a maniac, because I mean, let's face it, um, most serial killers are white. Yeah. I was in whitey town, it's like Scotland's a very white place. Is there uh, any serial killers in Scotland? Though? I don't like, know. That's a- I don't know. It could just be my own upbringing. Um, and too many fucking North American movie movies. Yeah. But I was in a pitch black remote, like the remoteness of it, like mm-hmm. was like Norman Bates remoteness. You know, like what the hell's out here? There ain't no cops. There ain't no hospitals. There ain't there ain't not nothing much. If there's a villain in the shadows, I know exactly. I'm what you a mean, fucking goner. Camping at night without any sort of light. <laughs> You're, it's not like a, oh, I get, I can kind of see the silhouette. Because I can't even trees. see. It's like, you think you know what darkness is in the forest when you see like slight silhouettes of it. It's like, no, our eyes are only designed for the light. We can't see anything. I even, night. I, you know what I even think I experienced? I was even like thinking to myself, okay, this is bad. This is fucking scary, but my eyes will adjust. Oh no, it's crazy. And like I waited maybe long enough. Maybe it wasn't 30 to 60 seconds. Maybe I tried to adjust my, my things and kept jogging. But I remember there was a point where, like, I, I, I thought that I was going to be able to use my mind to overcome and use a strong will to just jog into the dark until a certain point that I already pre-designed, which so was like, was, a, you I was going to go for an hour-long jog in this darkness. And I was, like, less than a few minutes in. And I had to turn back because it was, mm. <laughs> my imagination was just good. No, that's it's the other reasonable. Thing. That's yeah. like, <laughs> is it reasonable? I don't no, know. I'm no, a babe, maybe I'm a big a, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the serial brought a killer torch. was a little bit uh, wild imagination. <laughs> but you have the right to be. like, You could, most likely, you would have just fallen in a ditch and then hit your head and it died. Yeah, that's the other like, one. Like, what like, if I just trip on something and, and then you break a leg and now I'm like stuck here in the cold night? No, but if you trip on something and rain. get up, where do you go? Where do you, if you're really deep in the darkness and you trip yeah. and you lose your coordination, you yeah. have to kind of feel the ground around you to kind of be like, okay, where the fuck's my footsteps? Does this feel like my footsteps were here? Yeah, the great abyss. <sighs> I was entering an abyss on that path. and Yeah, because there was a few kilometers I could have like got lost into. Mm-hmm. Especially if I accidentally went off path because it wasn't paved. Um, interesting. Yeah, it was a fun experience. So you'd have a guitar session in that kind of a night too. Yeah, and they have they have a little exhibit on that. Uh, I think where they have it chained around the exact tombstones they, they really, on. really. Yeah. There's a lot more information that co- has come about, like or come out about him later in uh, this century or the, the end of the 20th century. 
Yeah. But back then, they had no idea. It was He was gone for a year, and he came back the greatest guitar player of all time. One of That's the pretty cool. Yeah. You want to see a picture of him? Yes, I do. Let's see what he looks like. Mm-hmm. It's an audio show, but I'll, uh, I'll try to describe him. Two pictures. This is this one. Look at those fingers. So he's pretty like tall, skinny, mm-hmm. African American dude. I like that in the middle of his uh his he's got his hair cut real short. Like those look at the strings. It's not it's not a shaved head, he's got he's got some some hair on his head, it's about like quarter inch curl. And uh, he's got he's got a crease. You think he's got oil on his hair? I think he's got oil on his hair, or he shaved the crease. Oh, this one he looks dapper. He's in a suit. This one he's in a suit. He looks excitable. He looks quite excitable. His fingers really are really long. Yeah. Those are seven string guitar. He looks abnormally long. Fingers, and I wonder, like, mm. did he make that mod on the guitar himself? Did he have to fashion yeah. that himself? I think so. Likely so. It's the way people did things back then. They did things themselves. Um, he had an acoustic guitar, like a parlor guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, and a fedora on his head. And this picture, he looks like he's using cocaine in this picture, like yeah. his. His eyes are extremely wide in this picture. I think he was just drinking. His mouth is open. He looks like, I don't know, maybe he was actually singing when they took that picture. Maybe that's why he looks like that. Pictures take a long time back then, too. You have to stand there for like a minute straight holding it. Oh, so maybe he's just posing and it looks fucking silly. Yeah, he did hold it for a while, I'm pretty sure. Uh Uh-huh. But, um... This picture, no, I think they did it with a flash. This one, you could even see the flash off his forehead. Mm-hmm. But this one he has either a shave or a part just for like an inch in the top of his forehead. He has a These are the high two, forehead. Only two known pictures of Johnson, by the way. The only two. Only two. He looks slightly like Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. He has that kind of a facial structure. His eyes are really, like he looks like he's been hurt. Though. Look at his eyes. I don't know. Yeah, he looks kind of depressed. He looks angry in his eyes. He looks depressed. He's got a big cigarette, hand-rolled cigarette in his mouth. Could be marijuana in there. Could be. He's wearing suspenders mm, and a proper shirt. Those are the only two known pictures. Only two. And then for the, his, the biggest event of his life that he was planned for six months later, he was invited. He was accredited with so many different blues artists. That nobody knew who he was, so people were really excited. Because like, oh, Can we play God. some of his recordings? I'm pretty sure they're public uh, oh, we domain. And also, uh, and also we'll just talk over them, too, to kind of keep mm-hmm. copyright off our ass. No, I won't copyright. Um, I don't, or might. We can talking over it would be fine, though. Yeah. But, yeah. but um, he, his biggest show of his life, and people were really excited because they, they had no idea who this guy was. But the guy who actually... Once someone actually way back then found out that he was accredited to all these huge, 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 huge music, uh, blues players being inspired by him, mm-hmm. and he died. They found out, they were in search of him, and they found out he died six months earlier, and they found his tombstone. So what they did 
It's chilling. It's crazy. They found Wait, it. sorry. What happened? Explain this again. Slower. I, I, you lost me. The, they wanted to have him at the event because they realized how prominent he was. And okay. They wanted to give him the credit he deserved. Right. Because he was unknown for a large amount of people, but he right. was a great influence. Right. So they searched out for him because they had no way of contacting him at the time. So they looked for him, and they found out he died six months prior. Uh, which which type of artist? Rock artists were doing this, con- this I think event? it was blues. I think it was blues, blues artists? Okay. Or some yeah. other artists. There was um, artists who took a lot of inspiration from him and right. wanted their hero kind of playing. Right. And then he had just died. He was died. They found out he died six months ago. They had right. no, one, no, one had, no one had any idea. Okay. And uh, so what did they do? Do you know those? I don't know what they're called. They, they're, um, it's like a horn and it, they used to play record players on it. Right, team. yes. Yeah. And they had that in the Carnegie Hall, and they just one spotlight on that and his music. And people were cheering on that. That's amazing. It was just his music. And that's, it was, it's chilling when you see it. Like, it's, it's honestly an amazing Oof. story. Yeah. Carnegie Hall. That's yeah. a big place. It is. And it was. And uh, just that, uh, that's a big auditorium, and uh, have just. I think they're called a monophone or something like mm, that. Yeah. Having one of those on the stage only with people the record. blown away. And people are, yeah. Okay, play me something. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And then we'll go into the quotes. What were the quotes of some rock stars? You read me one of Clapton. Clapton, yeah. Let me get another one. There was a... We'll do the quotes after. Let's do the music first. Uh. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to critique his music based on my guitar knowledge. This is pretty regular right now. That there was a little bit difficult. He was playing double, double strings. He's one of his slower songs, but uh. Do you have any faster songs? I want to hear his speed. That was that was like a regular speed. That speed's easy to maintain. Yeah. That wouldn't take lots tons of practice. Uh, I'm gonna look up fastest. I wasn't listening to the words, though. I was listening to the guitars only. What was he talking about? The deal with the crossroads. Oh. Devil had me on my knees. That's what he said? Yeah, I think so. That's what... Wow. Sorry. Well, okay, so the crossroads. What do you know about voodoo? You said he, he had a little bit to do with voodoo? Um, or just that he sang about the crossroads? He No, he did. I, I don't know... Too much about voodoo, but I'll, I think there was a hoodoo, voodoo, 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 hoodoo, hoodoo, and voodoo. Those are those are similar. They're based on uh, uh, it's like a blend of African as well as uh, Christian uh, religions. And uh, okay, let's listen to this. I think this is the final one. 
Already he threw a little Maybe yeah. that was some of his innovations. He's got the kid moving. He's got to keep moving from oh. the hellhounds. That's what he's saying. Oh. That's why. I'll... Well, his lyrics are profound. Mm hmm. Whoa. Just think about walking, being a white man walking down the streets of Mississippi and you hear this guy singing this fucking song and you're like thinking to yourself, do I need to lynch him right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Up. No, it was the worst. It was the Am Delta I supposed something? to lynch you? The Del Delta Triangle, I think something called. Something like that. It's like the, the most lynching in the, lynchings in the country, period. I wonder if he got chased away from this song. Like, I wonder if he was singing this song and got chased. While singing this song. Mm -hmm. Where's the fast? Is a faster song? I'm pretty sure. Like, cause if I heard a guy saying like, "I just gotta keep moving and keep away from the bloodhounds," maybe maybe this is just all innovative. Mm -hmm. Like, this is blues. Seems like regular blues. Maybe it was the first ever. Yeah, for us, it might sound like really kind of like, oh, we've heard this before, but back then it must have been... There's, there's little things he's doing, like blues tricks. Mm -hmm. There's tons of blues tricks in this music right now that we're listening to. Little, little riffs, little ways of playing, little tricks that you're doing with your hands and stuff. That maybe no one ever heard before. Yeah. He's doing some slides. He's doing special picking. He, he's doing a certain type of scaling. Yeah. He's oversimplifying the scaling. That's how the blues guys did it. Classic combo. He might have been the first. Mm-hmm. It was a classic chord combo. I think he made a lot of it, a couple chords. Okay, also, he just went from playing rhythm to playing solo. Like melody. So rhythm, watch. It's going on at the same time. That's crazy. That's, that is really hard and really unique and really cool. And if he was the first guy to do that, that's some big shit. Didn't even miss a beat though. Didn't even miss a beat. He's going back and forth. His hands are moving a mile a minute yeah. with those transitions to go from rhythm to solo to rhythm to solo. And he's singing. Yeah. He's doing it all the time. And people thought like he was, you'd think two people were playing the guitar at this point. That's right. They say that? Yeah, they said that. Yeah, it's, it's like he's doing two jobs at once. It's crazy. Yeah, guitar players nowadays fully understand how to do this and the ergonomics and all that. Mm -hmm. That would have taken, this guy was an innovator if that was all yeah. him. Let's what about violinists and shit like that? Did they ever do... Well, it's blues, right? There's no... Yeah. Um, 
I have I have don't I don't know too much. Let's see. His freakishly long hands let him do that. Like holy shit! Like yeah, because he could play. Okay, you only need three notes to make a chord, mm-hmm. and you got you got four fingers on your fretboard and a thumb. If your hands are that long, you could use all five, right? Because you could wrap your fingers around the whole fretboard, the whole <clears throat> neck of the guitar. Yeah. Otherwise, we're trained to use four fingers only. And our thumb on the back used to pressurize. Mm-hmm. But if your fingers are freakishly long and you could reach everywhere with your thumb on the top two strings and your other four fingers down below on the mm-hmm. full seven strings. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that's just like. That's like you could do so much and you only need three, cor- three notes to get a chord. So that's your seven. Mm-hmm. That's why he's got the seven strings because he's probably wrapping his thumb around. Mm. He's probably getting like. Two his notes. Freakishly long player, like fingers can make him do something down yeah, here. Yeah, and then and then his yeah, probably his ring finger and his baby finger are playing those high notes, In. closer closer to the closer to where his fingers emerge from around the neck of the guitar. His thumb, you think, or his middle? No, finger, his ring his ring finger and baby finger are playing okay. those. Holy! He's shit. doing that with that. Holy! Shit. And and the chords he's doing with. Either he could be using the the thumb for the chords is my uh, hypothesis. That's with just these two fingers. He's doing the with just like he's the first one. Imagine yeah. you're just like there. Yeah, and, you're and, that. and he's playing chords at the same time. He's like plucking a bass line, like boom, boom, bing, a, bing, boom, 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 and then he's using, and he's using his middle finger, ring finger, and baby finger for all the high note shit, all that soloing and harmony and melody. Sorry about that. I'm just. I got a blue rising. It's not the same. It's not the same kind of passion. Do you know he's in the, the 27 <laughs> Club, I think? That's a what does that mean? Oh, the greats that die at age 27? 27. Janis Soplin, Kurt Cobain. Um, what's another one? There is a... Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Jimi Hendrix. I'm just naming uh, all the people that died young. I'm assuming they were all 27. Uh, so let's... Uh, anything you got on Hoodoo? What was his involvement yeah. with hoodoo? Hoodoo, okay, my understanding of hoodoo and voodoo is it's like a magic ritual where they use imagery, symbols, saints, candles, sacrificing small animals like uh, rabbits and, and uh, pigeons and uh, chickens. Um, to, and basically it's all about uh, mental imagery and uh, changing mental frequencies. Yeah. Shocking your system into kind of no, belief. The, the song called "In My and Kitchen" it's in my kitchen was um, there's a bag apparently which kept a man, which a woman would wear on her uh, neck to keep a man uh, loyal and faithful for her. That's what kind of kept her. Yeah, he takes a lot of it's based in away from the, her from the oh. song, and that's why I say, "Come my kitchen, I'll take away the bag from you," kind of thing, like. Well, you I'll enchant you with my kitchen is also the implication yeah. there because, remember, it was the kitchen, a.k.a. poisonous drink, that killed him. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
That's crazy. That's a yeah. So po- so here's what I know about poison. Mm-hmm. So I worked yeah, at for Mr. three Lou. days too. Like that's three days he was coughing up blood the entire. Time. Oh, that's a shitty poison too. That's a shitty way to go. They probably did that on purpose to make it more deadly, make it more painful for him. Why would they have that on hand though? That's kind of crazy. No, you don't. Well, you have it on hand for different reasons. Maybe you even have it on hand for assassination purposes. But I would say you could probably have it on hand. Maybe I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. Maybe you have it for other reasons. There's chemicals it was a like club. that. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, maybe you ordered it in from some gangster type people. Maybe it was an assassination drug. Yeah, it was the three trident, Chinese uh, people were there with all kinds of chemicals and stuff that you could get in, in the, the Wild 19, West. The nineteen like thirties, nineteen ten, like. I'm talking about the Wild West for some reason. You're right. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you could get heroin. Like uh, basically, Chinese had a lot of uh, underground. Trafficking and black market stuff. They even in even back then. Wow. Yeah, I think it's New York or San Francisco. In some predominant American city, they had underground tunnels. Whoa. In their ghettos, like connecting places for That's pretty like, wild. trafficking shit. Didn't they do that a lot in Vietnam? There's a lot of like. Well, that was more army. Yeah. They were like taking shops and digging tunnels between shops, so that you could like traffic stuff without using the street. And a lot of the trafficking was product, mm-hmm. stolen and whatever, and then other traffic was heroin and and Chinese medicine is impressive. They have, they know about lots of chemicals. But they also had some snake oils in there as well. Well, like, whatever snake oils, but also real things. So you could probably go to like a Chinese market, and because the Chinese see like the white man as a totally different society. They would have a less of a moral dilemma selling poison to a man, a white mm-hmm. man. You know what I mean? If they were selling it to a Chinese person, they may wonder, like, who's he going to kill? Mm-hmm. They would have, probably have to know exactly and trust that plan mm-hmm. before they would give it to a Chinese person. But with a white person, they may be like, who we're the, aspirin who the fuck cares? Like, I'm going to give him this poison, and who cares what other white person he kills? Was you know Chinese I mean? the one who got, invented aspirin? Because it was like no bark. idea. I know that Chinese medicine invented a lot of medicine, mm-hmm. and, and maybe doesn't get its credit. Yeah. And uh, by the way, on that note, cannabis has always been known in the Chinese medical records as a very wildly uh, uh, beneficial medicine. Mm-hmm. Um. Diverse, with diverse benefits and treatments. The CBD especially is really, it's crazy. CBD yes. is the Chinese one of the few things this. that we know for a fact for that like can 3,000 years. heal learned fear. It can reverse learned fear. Wow. Wow. A few things ever. And Charlotte's Web too. You are talking about Charlotte's Web before. Isn't that a, a certain strain, a certain tincture it prevents, of TFC? Uh, it, it stops uh, seizures. Certain types, of, not all types, but most but a, types. But a good, a good portion of them, right? Like ninety like something percent of seizures. And that's banned. And that's banned for all, like a that. A Is it banned it. now? No, it's not. It was a long time ago. But think oh. about that. We seizures mm-hmm. heavily prominent. Prohibition on cannabis is a joke. It's and just a proxy uh, war. It was just a proxy war for the U.S. to to help arrest blues and lynch blues players, maybe. Yeah, and also the and hippie Mexicans. movement as well, who were supporting those players as well. Oh. Because the hippies were doing a lot of the weed and shit like that yeah. with those people. And, and the hippies nice. were protesting the wars. They wanted, like, drunken yeah. lemmings. Two drunken burns. angry folk that were willing to raise arms at any moment. Yeah. Industrial military complex. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways, so uh, are we going to talk about uh, Hoodoo? If, I have if, no idea. I don't have how any... How was he involved with Hoodoo? He just quoted it many times in songs. Okay. He, there was very few, very little known about him at all. So that's everything we know. So suffice to say, he was from a culture and a time uh, where Hoodoo was, uh, well, yeah, pre- was prevalently practiced. And Hoodoo, I would say, can be practiced by Christians without a uh, moral dilemma. Christians... A lot of Christians that practice hoodoo don't see any problem with. They don't. They 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 use hoodoo techniques to pray to Christian saints. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like a, a it's okay. tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. And the medicine bag thing, that's a medicine bag. That's a tool that comes from natives. So it was kind of like an American religion that came from African, Christian, and native influences. Mm. Uh, and it's. Uh, I don't know if it's monotheistic or paganistic or polytheistic. I don't maybe polytheistic with all the saints that you pray to and sacrifice to, but mm-hmm. but it's a pretty interesting religion. It has a lot of knick-knack technologies that you could get into a cool mindset with. Yeah. And uh and use. Incense. I believe sacrifice. the cro- the crossroads is, yeah, the crossroads is uh like uh, a point where you have to make a decision. It's like the middle of right and wrong. It's like the edge of the line. It's, there's a lot of potentialities at the crossroads. What will you give to get what you want at the Yeah, crossroads? there's perceived limitations and then unlimited uh, potentialities all at the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trickster is another um, image of the crossroads mm-hmm. uh, because uh, tricksters are usually indifferent. They just want to make move you, make action. They don't care if it's good or they bad. They want to mix things up. That's they want to mix it up. Mix your crossroads. At all, if you want something to go your way that's a little bit uncertain and dilemmic, mm-hmm. uh, you should go to a crossroads area, like a bridge or a crossroads, literally, mm-hmm. and make a sacrifice, like throw a coin into the river or something. Where did that come kill from, by the way? The, the crossroads... Uh like lore behind it. Well, it's literally a symbolism based on lo- the logical aspects of a crossroads and the more um, theological, spiritual, psychological attributes that it can symbolize. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're taking a very logical, two-dimensional thing and and expanding on it symbolism because oh for sure the hellhounds on my trail all these things the dogs to the devil. Do- what yeah. are dogs dogs are little tricksters oh there's also they talk about power like the action door. they that's don't the care thing. if it's bad or good they want your attention they mm-hmm. just they'll do whatever to get attention that's you know the so you have to please a dog mm-hmm. what do you got to do with the trickster spirit which also was called the devil the trickster the devil the dog all similar archetypes in our cycle in our you know Jungian psychology mm-hmm. uh, with uh, regarding symbolism and, and psychology and emotional but the dog when you think about that how mm-hmm. how that logically breaks down into this symbolism is a dog what do you got to do with it to get it to behave you have to please it that's true so at the crossroads you have to please it. You have to please the trickster. You have to make a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. And he says, he talks about all these things. And I always heard about that story. That part of him mm-hmm. is 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 a well known legend. Yeah. About an old blues player that made a deal with the devil. And then other people claim to make a deal with the devil and sang about it as well, even right up to modern times. Mm-hmm. People, musicians have been saying this, and 
YouTube has plenty conspiracy theories uh, quoting all these things, um, which are interesting. But the deal with the devil to me is, you know, this guy faced severe adversity, lynch mobs. That's what the dogs and all the The dogs are are lynch mobs, but that's like the extreme side of the trickster. What could really go wrong? Oh, no, that's what he was. But it's interesting. It was a literal it was a literal thing, but also had played into so many of his archetypes that he was facing in his life. It's almost as if his life had some intended purpose for evolution, for shaking up mankind. And look, it it did. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to assume architecture and structure and assume consciousness, then this was consciousness expression of something. His life was consciousness as an expression of something. And if consciousness really influenced the whole journey, Mm -hmm. then consciousness chose some of those adversities. Mm-hmm. to kind of learn through. You know how I have my theory of consciousness and, yeah. and stuff like that. But, but For the Hellhounds one, there was a... It it's interesting that the Hellhounds is a literal one that plays into all these archetypes, though. Yeah. That's no, th- that's a good spin-off. I haven't heard that spin-off. That actually, it's a good look into it. He was, he was theorized mostly for him, though. It was the Hellhounds represented the Bloodhounds and constantly... His, he had a paranoia because his father was... His mother's ex-husband yeah, almost yeah, got lynched. Yeah. He hellhounds at my door, uh, putting powder at his door, which blocks the scent. He's basically, no matter where he is, he's always in constant fear. of Powder also is a voodoo technique, mm-hmm. salt, and certain powders will be used to... Um, keep spirits out. Keep right. spirits out and protection and stuff like that. And, and I think he was also, I think he was using both hoodoo... Uh, spiritual architecture and language and symbolism as well as and hiding it with pl- plain mundane symbolism mm. that would be my suspicion given that he was such an artist he w- and he played on tombstones and lived in a culture full of hoodoo mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was aware of all these thoughts yeah. they were all passing through his head and then he had the real life examples of it and if he's singing about the crossroads and making a deal with the devil I think he understood some of the lessons and tools of what it takes to face adversity mm-hmm. in life and survive. And he did that. And he, he, I mean, he became out of balance because he went all the way in one direction and became completely selfish and, and was hurting people and got himself killed, murdered. With um, his ego. Almost. With his ego, by his ego. But, but at the same time, he, before that, his response to adversity was to live for self was to satisfy self. Yes, it got out of control and unbalanced. And, you know, he, we all learn from that. We all learn from that, though. And uh, from all that, all that, what it must have taken, all the little lessons it must have taken for him to face the adversity he had faced, the sadness, the sorrow, the struggle, the threat of life being taken from you at any moment. That paranoia. The that paranoia. For the rest of your life, almost. To face that and do what you love requires a certain amount of wisdom, which is evident in his innovative guitar playing oh, he and was very lyrics. Smart. And he was you know what I'm describe? saying? Oh, for sure. It, like, he was had certain... Even his lyrics, not even only the guitar playing, his lyrics is very dark and kind of like you can feel like his pain in a way through the song even a hundred years later just yeah he's a hurt guy he's expressing this like you said how you're 
you found therapy through your music. This was his therapy. This was his yeah. one. This is one thing that he had control, and then he found great passion and love it with. He did fall off the horse with a lot of different things, but he brought brought an invaluable resource to society. With he also himself. wasn't afraid to make those mistakes. Oh, for yeah, we said greatness earlier. It takes a lot of sacrifice to be that great. It takes uh, it takes a lot of failure too. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to fail before you like you said people would chase him away for screeching the guitar, yeah. sounding <laughs> like shit, and then became a melodious master. Um. Let's listen to some of the quotes. Mm-hmm. What kind of quotes from who? Eric Clapton's quote was impressive. It was very mm-hmm. snobby. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Impressively snobby. Stevie King, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, okay, let's hear a few. Here's a quote from Robert A. Johnson. When we find ourselves in a, middle, in a midlife depression... Suddenly hate our spouse, our jobs, our lives. We can be sure that the unlived life is seeking our attention. Whoa. He was a deep guy. He was a deep guy. Here's another one from him. Though no one notices at the time, in loveness obliterates the humanity of the beloved. In loveness obliterates the humanity of the beloved. Oh, he recognized possessiveness and stuff like that. Yeah. That's probably why he was so... Uh, he might not have been actually... Jealous, like. He might No, he might not have been actually uh, so uh, maleficent towards women. It might have been that he rejected their he was expectations. Drunk, though, and, like, oh, he was an angry drunk, too. So. Yeah, no, not angry, angry. I think more he would drink and then, like, be very... Like, uh, alcohol can definitely change you as a person if you're doing it heavy, heavily every night, like, without yeah, it whiskey. Does. So yeah, it's I've gonna... It. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going on to uh, brainyquote.com, quotes about Robert Johnson. Here's one quote from Robert Johnson. Believe in yourself and have confidence that you can complete against all odds. You may bury my body down by the highway side. Hello, Satan. It's time to go. The blues is a low down aching chill. If you can't be happy at the prospect of lunch, you are unlikely to be happy about anything. Whoa. So random that he just throws Satan into that conversation. No, people like what to, the fuck. He like to carry that <laughs> around. With it. I, I think he people like to. Um, he liked to associate himself with Satan worship. Oh, one hundred percent, or Satan himself, like this. Satan means adversity. Me, Satan means adversity. To, Maybe he knew that too. But he also apparently reportedly liked to carry it around like a, a shadow. Like if you mess with me, there's bigger, darker forces that you're messing with as well. Right. Like mm. he uses as a shield in a weird way sometimes, but also cool. adversity is probably what he meant in the actual music. David Bowie said, "But I've got to think of myself as the luckiest guy." Robert Johnson only had one album's worth of work as his legacy. That's all that life allowed him. Mm. 
He compared himself to Robert John- Johnson. B.B. Mm-hmm. King says, I liked blues from the time my mother used to t- take me to church. I started to listen to gospel music, so I liked that. But I had an aunt at that time, my mother's aunt, who bought records by people like Lonnie Johnson, Robert Johnson, Blind Lemon, Jefferson, and a few others. Um, now, that's not a great quote about Robert Johnson. Here's another not-so-great quote about Robert Johnson. So, like, why would you even put this in the list? Robert Johnson, question mark? No, I didn't know him personally. That's a what? quote from Muddy Waters. Why would you put this in the fucking list, stupid idiots? Brainyquote.com. Come on, man, get a grip. I'm not trying to emulate or imitate, but I do believe that I embody that spirit from Robert Johnson on up. CeeLo Green. That's a big ego, CeeLo. <laughs> okay, uh, Robert, John Mellencamp. My thought was I should try to stick with names that people may recognize, like Robert Johnson, Sunhouse. Uh, fuck you. That's a stupid quote. I'm going to read this quote just because it's from a guy named Fantastic Negrito. Mm. My most revered hero is Robert Johnson. His lyrics are so consistent with rap, the danger, the boldness, the creativity. Fantastic Negrito again says, Ain't nobody more punk rock than Robert Johnson, Lead Belly, even Little Richard. Um, let's look for... Robert Palmer said, I had an inv- invitation to contribute a track to a Robert Johnson tribute album, and it was the first time I'd done anything like that in my life. I was not brought up with the blues or anything like that, and I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Stupid quote again. Well, you had an Eric Clapton quote. I'll paraphrase it because it was good. He's like, there's a certain six years of my life where... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, up until I was 25, I wouldn't talk to you. You didn't talk, know about uh, Robert Johnson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Eric Clapton. And the Rolling Stones did covers on him. Led Zeppelin had a bunch of songs where it settled winks and nods to Robert Johnson. I'll tell you what. I saw that picture, the second one you showed me, the mm-hmm. one of him sitting down with the guitar and know, his eyes look all sad. Yeah. That picture is a famous picture. I've seen that picture before. Mm. Yeah, that picture goes around. That pr- picture might have been on the cover of Rolling Stone. Might have been if they did a cover on him. It's weird that he's so great that his legacy came is was apparently the second one was scrutinized. The first one was they don't know for sure, but they believe that to be him because they've shown that picture everywhere. But I've seen article. I don't know if it was true. They look like the same guy. They look exactly like the same guy, right? So it's again, it's more about the legacy he carried than if it was him because only two pictures. It wasn't the best. Like probably was him, but uh. Just imagine that you're in that time. Every all the odds are stacked against you. Like you're living off dimes a week, right? Until you, until you're good. And that's your survival. And then this is like 1910 to 1930 Mississippi. Like holy shit! Like that's a. All right, Brian Stevenson, director. 
says, The end of the Civil War marked a new era of racial terror and violence directed at black people in the United States that has not been adequately acknowledged or addressed in this country. Following emancipation in 1865, thousands of freed black men, women, and children were killed by white mobs. Former slave owners and members of the Confederacy who were unwilling to accept the anticipated end of slavery and racial subordination. The violent response to freedom for former slaves was followed by decades of racial terror, lynchings, and targeted violence designed to sustain white supremacy and racial hierarchy. No one was more at risk of experiencing violence and targeted racial terror than black veterans who had proven their valor and courage as soldiers during the Civil War, World War I, and World War II. Because of their military service, black veterans were seen as a particular threat to Jim Crow and racial subordination. Thousands of black veterans were assaulted, threatened, abused, or lynched following military service. The disproportionate abuse and assaults against black veterans have never been fully acknowledged. This report highlights the particular challenges endured by black veterans in the hope that our nation can better confront the legacy of this violence and terror. No community is more deserving of recognition and acknowledgement. Blah, blah, blah. Brian Stevenson, director. Wow. Wow, and because they served at war and did good. Think about that. That's just... Because they did good, they were lynched. You're just showing me some pictures of some lynch hanging. There were like six each, almost, for each one's. And and they were lined up, and these were once recognized for doing nothing. They were just looked at someone the wrong way. These Um, weren't even veterans. These were just people. So you know what's something that's really sad? Um, The Underground Railroad Mm -hmm. had a lot of people go to Canada. And they came to Ontario, yes, but a lot of black Americans on the Underground Railroad ended ended up in Halifax, and in New Brunswick, and in the Maritimes. Mm. Um, well, I worked with a racist Maritimer. He was from New Brunswick. And he told me about a, about a game they used to, a drinking game him and his buddies used to play called Broom the Coon. Oof. Where they get shit-faced drunk and ride around in a pickup truck with a broom and instead of like hitting mailboxes like most teenage idiots do, mm-hmm. they would go around driving around town looking for a black guy. The bigger, the better. And drive by him kind of slow, kind of fast with a batter up with the broom and try to hit him with the broom. And, I'm, and I, when he told me this, I was shocked and horrified. And I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you like? What the hell? And he just laughed at me. And he said, well, yeah, and you got to be careful because if you get a big one, they can catch that broom and pull you off the truck. And the rule was if you fall off the truck, you're, you're on your own. Whoa. You can get fucked up by the coon. Good. Good, yeah, I know. And also, why, 
Hopefully you get fucked up by the well, call road McCoon as well, too. too. They're like, a fucking person. Stop calling them a coon. No, it's Where did just, that come from? Calling black people a coon. I have no idea. I have no idea. It's just gross. What the fuck? Yeah, it's it is gross. Yeah. Well, I that's think, a gross thing. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's quickly talk about something positive about Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Just real quick. He innovated so much. Mm-hmm. He faced adversity. He faced adversity with a courage akin to playing at midnight in a graveyard, mm. which he did literally with one of his mentors. Hiding from conformity, which even threatened his life just for his nature. So much of his nature. From his own culture, he caused was ostracized. Him he was ostracized by everyone. Yeah, because of his nature, natural love towards the blues. Mm-hmm. He, so much of his nature caused him suffering. And yet, he promised himself at a certain crossroads in his life, when his wife died and his unborn child died, he promised himself to live only for his nature. Mm-hmm. Think about the strength and the courage of that. He's taking, he took his life in his own hands. To sing songs about the bloodhounds and the lynch mobs. Every. About devil. Yeah, every time. Normal people would just give up. Maybe they'd just be like, oh, I, maybe it is the devil's music. Maybe I'll just. There's too many roadblocks in life. I can't do this anymore. He took the path. Didn't take the path of least resistance every time. He followed his passion no matter what people said. In a time where it was heavily scrutinized by people who thought he was less a second-class citizen and people who thought he was preaching the devil's And his music changed our musical culture here in North America and around the world. One man and the devil. If he really was the devil, well, then the devil made some fucking, has some funky music. There you go. All right. I think that's a good way to end it. (laughs) That's right. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.
Special thanks to Jamesy the Band, jamesytheband.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening to The Fool's Journey.